0: to find balance and be refreshed here on Every Heart, Every Woman.
1: Every heart, every
0: woman. Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Every heart, every woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Welcome to
2: the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview, we're going to set the tone like we always do with a little bit of music. This is In the Garden. It is performed by a group that I'm a member of called For Change. Sit back and enjoy.
1: to the garden. speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their
2: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Well, our show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can get all of the information about Love Ministries if you go to their website. Go to loveministriesbuilds.com org. You can also go to my website, carlanivens.com. Carla is spelled with a K. Well, we are so excited about our interview for today. We are welcoming for the first time Miss Cortina Jackson. Cortina is a domestic violence survivor a published author of two books, the first one, On Earth As It Is In Hell, and the second one, The Sounds of Silence Are The Loudest. Cortina is also an actress, an advocate, a mentor, and a podcast host. If all of that wasn't enough, Cortina also holds two master's degrees and has worked in law enforcement and criminal justice for over 18 years. Cortina is the proud mother of two sons, and she is so enthusiastic about sharing her passion with everyone. Well, first of all, Cortina, thank you so much for being on our show, and welcome. Oh, thank you. It is quite an honor to be here, and I just really appreciate you for having me. Thank you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Cortina, I I, I just really want to start off with your testimony. As I was going through and reading all of the things about you, your testimony blew me away. You have lived a, a brave and a valiant life, even when all the odds were stacked against you. So would you
3: please start with sharing your testimony with us? Yes, thank you. Thank you again. I appreciate that. Yes, quite a life, uh, quite an ordeal I've gone through. Uh, yes, all the accolades that were read uh just what a blessing in my life, but it didn't start out that way. And so, uh, I actually went through life up. I, I, I was i in my 40s. So I'm not going to go any further than that. But <laughs> <laughs> all of my life, I—I uh, I went through wearing what I called the clown mask. Hmm. You see, I call it that because the clown—he always wants to make people happy. That he gets joy from bringing everyone else joy. And so the clown will say, go ahead, throw a pie at me. You know, Kick me in the behind. Go ahead and push me and pour water over me. I don't mind because I'm going to bounce back because I'm the clown and I'm happy, happy, happy. Mm-hmm. And so I went through life being the clown. Go ahead, abuse me, ridicule me, laugh at me. Go ahead, have sex with me, even if I don't want it. Kick me, hit me when I'm already down, but you know, just do all of these things. Cause the only thing I'm gonna do is either cower down or I'm gonna laugh it off and I'm gonna come right back and walk on eggshells for you. And I'm gonna dance and, and tiptoe around you to let you know I'm loyal. Hmm. And I don't mind because I'm the clown and I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna smile no matter what. No matter what my feelings are, no matter how hurt I am inside, I'm always gonna wear this smile. Because I'm the clown and I'm happy, happy, happy. You know, I I live that way to cover a lot of hurt and pain. Um, We see comedians sometimes do it. No one made fun of me more than me or ridiculed me more than me because it was a cover. I figured if I did it to myself first, it wouldn't hurt so bad if someone else did it. So if I said, oh, I'm so fat and ugly. Well, if somebody else said that, I, I would just laugh it off and say, I, I know. I told you so. I, you know, I already knew I was fat. Duh. And it wouldn't, the blows wouldn't hurt so bad. But the thing was, they did hurt so bad. It, it didn't even matter. The way I beat myself up was, was worse than other people. And theirs was uh, traumatic enough. So later in life, I learned that this mask. Um, I'm a born again Christian, um, uh, save you know Jesus Christ. Um, so a lot of references I'll use will be a, you know of a, a godly nature. I definitely don't push that on anyone, but that's just my my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So the mask that I wore was a demon, and it was sent to actually. It was like an illusion that was never there. This mask that I wore was an illusion that was never there. He came as a thief to rob me of my joy and to continue a cycle of despair and fear and pain, and it shaped my life into worthlessness. So I thought I was worthless. I treated myself like I was worthless, and I acted like I was worthless, and it was easy at that time to attract everything that would have kept me worthless. So, you know, in this scenario, Satan uh, is like a vampire and he, he steals, he robs and steals our, our joy and, our, and he feeds off of our negative energy. It helps him to grow and stay powerful. So I learned our thoughts produce actions and they manifest into what we predominantly think about. And this will come into play later as you see how things were flipped for me because your thoughts become actions, whether they are negative or positive. So if he could keep that mask on my face, I would think that I was nothing without it. Uh, And it kept me in a a state of negative energy. So all of my thoughts of me brought me exactly what I kept so hard from happening. You know, we see women um, in abusive situations and they may get out of that situation and go right back into another one or, just seems like bad things are always happening to them. So I kept attracting bad things that continue to happen for me. Um, You know, I looked good on the outside. My mask looked fantastic. I had the makeup, I had the smile, I had the joy, the energy. That looked so good on the outside. But actually I was dead underneath my mask. And we think of scavengers. Scavengers, they smell death. And they begin to come around and creep so that they can devour their prey. So when you're dead inside, you begin to attract these scavengers that smell your flesh from a mile away. They see you. They see how pretty you are. They see your good conversation and your smarts. But they can see right through you because they smell your death. So narcissists, abusers, pedophiles, they're attracted to you. Because these hurt people hurt people and they they are so attracted to you. So once I donned that clown mask, I was no match for what was coming against me. Um, I put it on because I, I was uh, I was molested at the age of seven. From seven to 14, um, I was molested by an older cousin and it happened. um. You know, young uh, ladies, I too. watch your children around your relatives because that is what happened. An older cousin molested me who the family trusted. He was an older cousin, so I was around him a lot. He was kind of uh, our guardian because all of our parents worked, and his mother, she was older, so she would send him out to play with all of us. I was the oldest girl, and so I ended up taking... Uh, the molestation and keeping quiet about it because even then I learned how to wear the clown mask for all my little cousins. So I learned to stay happy because they depended on me uh, to make them happy, to make them laugh, to make them smile. I was always the one that did adventures with them. So I had these cousins looking up to me and if they knew something was wrong, it would make them sad. So I would, I would be taken into the house and molested get myself together, come back out and say, hey, what does everybody want to do? Hey, let's go on an adventure. Let's play football. And I I learned that, um, which is a a sad thing for a young uh, girl to have to learn how to wear a clown mask. And I never removed it uh, after that. I never removed the mask because I saw how it made people feel. If I'm happy, people are happy. If I'm happy, it hides what I'm going through. So I'm going to keep on I'm going to keep up this persona. And then it got to the point. I didn't know how to, how to take it off and just be me. Because when I looked in the mirror and just saw me, I saw something ugly and something worthless and something that didn't matter and keep up this, per, this performance for people, or they're going to know what happened to you. And I don't know if I thought I would be in trouble. I think I did. thought I, I thought I'd be in trouble for it for sure. And that mm-hmm. he told me, that uh, I would be taken away from my, my mom. It would be my fault. The family is gonna be mad at me. I kept quiet. So you can imagine by now, um, as I got into my adult life and wearing this clown mask for so long, by the time I met my my second marriage, which was with a narcissistic, abusive police officer, husband, I was damaged with no self-esteem, and I was looking for validation. And I actually thought by having a, uh, a husband who was a police officer, it would assure me protection. Mm-hmm. But uh, I could never have imagined that I needed protection from him. So here I am, you know, uh, going through these things and I should have known better, but when you're in those situations, uh, when, when you're wearing a clown mask, you miss signs. And there had been signs, and I kind of want to give some of those because if anyone's going through abuse now, or uh, you're new to dating, you're dating this new guy. These are some of the signs I experienced. Um, we started out dating, and at that time, um, actually, I met him on um, on a dating site. Mm-hmm. I know I met him on a <laughs> dating site because I was uh, at the time I was working in a prison. And I was in uh, West Texas. There's, uh, for those who are from West Texas or know anything about it, there's nothing there, but Mm -hmm. what we call tumbleweeds and Mm -hmm. dirt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I went to Texas Tech,
2: so I was there for a while, yes.
3: (laughs) That's exactly where I was from, the land of Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing there at the time, job-wise, except the prison. So I worked in the prison system, hard to meet people uh, with my hours, um, So I went on this dating site, uh, at the time I was ready to leave the prison. Uh, when you talk about abuse, if, uh, if you've not worked in a prison, that's where the most verbal emotional abuse you can experience takes place. Uh, so I already had this lifestyle of, of being abused and being rained on. And then to go to a prison and work every day, my mask got stronger because as I'm walking down the rows, I'm hearing, uh, all kind of names except my name, and I'm being cursed at, and I'm seeing all kind of sexual deviancy that um, no one should ever see. Actually, mm-hmm. but somebody's got to do it, and so that was my job. So learning how to put on that persona, you know, this is this is what I did, and then I I met this guy on the dating site. So. I thought he was gonna be my savior and take me away from the prison life and and I get to escape this and he's a police officer. So uh, he started out calling me all the time. It was so cute, it was so romantic. (laughs) Never before had anyone checked on me quite so much. And he called every day throughout the day when I was off, early in the mornings, just calling, just, you know, just talking. Mm -hmm. He talked a lot, (laughs) he talked Mm -hmm. a whole lot, but initially he wanted to know everything about me. This should have been a red flag at the time, but you know, you're dating, it's new. You're thinking, wow, this is how dating goes. But, uh, and this is how dating goes. I don't want to discourage anyone from, if they're going through this thinking, oh no, this is a bad (laughs) sign. But he wanted to know everything about me, all of my fears, all of my hurts, my secrets, my upbringing, everything. Um, And I told him a lot of things. I wanted to be upfront and honest. I told him a lot of things that I'd been through, uh, things that have hurt me, abuse, different types of uh, relationships. He listened intently, but that would be the last time he listened intently to me because that's all he needed. He would later turn those things against me Um, because after that, he talked all the time. Again, the converse, uh, the, the phone calls continued, but he always took over the conversation. I very rarely did I ever get to speak when we talked. Um, he talked so much. If uh if he did ask me a question and I got ready to answer, he would cut me off and start talking about how something happened to him. If, if I said, Yeah. Um, I went to the store today. Yeah. I went to the store too. And blah, 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 blah. And he would just go on and on and on. And then the, the, so the only thing I would really say in a conversation is hello. And okay, goodbye. (laughs) That's how much he talked. Mm -hmm. Um, he had an answer for everything. Um, everything I did, he became the match for what I, I did. So if I, uh, uh, If I said something happened to me, oh, something happened to me too. Um, If I said I needed something, oh, I used to do that. Uh, Yeah, my car broke down. I used to be a mechanic. You know, he just, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, I could see that he was trying to match up to show me that I'm everything that you could possibly need. Uh, Later on, he would use uh, taking over to speak for me. Even in the relationship, he would speak for me. And I learned that he was going to do it anyway, and I would keep quiet. I, I just learned to when he was talking to stay quiet. Already, I was being groomed to be quiet. Um, he's talking, mm-hmm. he's got a point, I'm not going to get my point across, so just let him get it out, and maybe I'll have a chance. But that chance never came, so I learned he continued to talk over me and speak for me till even. In my abusive marriage, when we later got married, if someone asked me what was wrong or if I had a problem, that uh, coupled with the learning to wear the clown mask, I learned to smile and say, nothing, nothing's mm-hmm. wrong. No, I'm okay. Or look over at him and wait for direction. So, you know, this, this early grooming stage, um, once we got married, the phone calls increased so much. It was unreal. Uh, he, at the time I wasn't working, uh, he was, you know, still a police officer, but found time to call me. It seemed like every hour of the day. So what I, what I initially thought of him checking on me was him checking up on me. And, and then it just, it, it, it came to the, to the part of almost stalking behavior. Also, what I learned from that is that Oftentimes, those phone calls weren't just to check on me, but he knew where I was at all times of the day so that he could do other things like Mm -hmm. infidelity. And I didn't realize how much the infidelity was until I stumbled up on one of his emails that he made on um, uh, Backpage or one of those sites, one of those weird sites. I just happened to find that throughout the entire relationship, he had um, been meeting women for sex. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, unbeknownst to me, because this man was very meticulous and careful, he, uh, you know, so another one of the signs, uh, he he was always on time. So this threw me off. He was always on time for work, and always on time for home. So if it was if it was four o'clock in the afternoon, I could look at the clock and knew he was walking in at that time. Okay. So, yes, it it, it it's. it it was very troubling. You know, he also isolated me from my family. So uh, came from the land of Texas Tech. He pulled me to Dallas, which was okay. Mm -hmm. Got me away from the prison Mm -hmm. and I get to start a new life. But this is when the abuse, uh, this abuse began for me when he hit me for the first time, only one month into our marriage. So, uh, already when he hit me, he was covering, he, he covered for the abuse and I kept quiet. And already, even though we had dated already, I was learning how to cower down, be quiet, cover up. The kids were around. So I especially had to put on the, put on the joy, put on the happiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And that's exactly what I did in life. And so later on going through abuse, I ended up becoming a police officer too. Uh, okay. This This is where the abuse got a lot worse. Uh, You will find that uh, narcissists love to be praised. They love to be the center of attention. Um, They love it when you tell them that they're great at something. But but if you you become empowered, things change drastically. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Uh, They don't support you the way that you supported them. And so throughout that, uh, that time, anytime I became empowered, I took on empowerment roles. My abuse got worse, so I, you know, I, I like to explain that I, I kept quiet about it, and you know, I, I, I'd like to explain how keeping quiet did not benefit me at all. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, you have given us so much in in just that. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure everybody is thinking through different relationships in their lives. And now you're giving us tools that we can use so that um, we can be careful. You know, wisdom, this this is the wisdom that we, that we need. And so I figured that you were a police officer back then, but then you became a police officer. So I know it's time for us to take a break. Can we just press pause for just a few minutes and then we will be right back with Cortina Jackson.
0: To Every Heart, Every Woman. The show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Heart, now let's get back woman. to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Welcome
2: back to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show where we are having a conversation today, a very important conversation with Cortina Jackson. Cortina is a domestic violence survivor. She is a published author. Her books are On Earth As It Is In Hell and The Sounds of Silence Are The Loudest. She is also an actress, an advocate, a mentor, a podcast host. She holds two master's degrees. She's worked in law enforcement and criminal justice system for over 18 years. She's also the proud mother of two sons. And Cortina, I as I shared with you in the break, I have listened to every word <laughs> of your oh, story. <laughs> I am uh-huh. hanging on every word of your story. And there's so much that I have learned, and so many signs, and I'm thinking everyone in my life needs to hear this because we all need to be more informed um, as we are building relationships in life. Yeah. So, as as we right before we went to the break, you said you moved here to Dallas. Uh, you were married, had children. You became a police officer, and that's actually when things
3: really took a turn for the worse? Yes, absolutely. Uh, As I was saying before the break, uh, you know, about narcissists and and, and abusers, they want to be praised. They want to be the center of attention and they want the dominance and power. Mm -hmm. So their their job is to make sure that you don't feel empowered. Uh, So... For me to try to break the mold was going against the grain of what he was trying to design for me, which was to keep me lowly, keep me a woman, keep me in the kitchen. You know, he even said, uh, I've always wanted to be a, um, a homicide detective. It was a, a dream of mine mm-hmm. uh, to help people and become a homicide detective. And he said, why can't you just be a nurse like normal women? Hmm. Uh he always named these things and, and I thought like normal women, I said, but there are plenty of women in these positions. Oh, he was so angry with me um, for the even the thought of me wanting to be a police officer. He thought he'd pulled me from the prison and now just be a woman. He wanted to control my money. He wanted our bank accounts together. And he later uh, would freeze the accounts. Uh, if we ever got into an argument, which was a lot, he would immediately lock the account down because he was the primary where I couldn't get any money. And once he did that, always, he always kicked me out of the house. Every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knowing that I didn't have any money, uh, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. And I would oftentimes spend the night in my car. Uh, Sometimes the boys, my sons would be in the house, but he would kick me out and wait for me to come back and apologize to him. Mm -hmm. Or when I did come back, he would act like nothing ever happened. Like, hey, come on in here. I cooked you dinner. What, what are you doing? Like, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde. Like he was, right. all this he had done and then he, he switched. So uh, I was going through abuse the the entire time uh, Our entire relationship after moving to Dallas became a police officer. The entire time I'm in the police academy, uh, which is very hard. He is constantly calling me there. Mm -hmm. When I would get home in the afternoon, he would argue with me about not being a wife. You come home, you're too tired to be a a wife, and, and and so it was it was a struggle to where I couldn't even study for the police academy. I would have to drive and put my cue cards on my dashboard and study while I was driving so that when I came home, I could be this lowly person.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And people say, why? You are you are a woman of power. You are a woman who was a police officer. You're a woman who worked with dangerous criminals and men. You know how to stand up for yourself. But when you are, as I said, I didn't have self-esteem and self-worth. So when you have those things going on, like I said, it's a, it's a clown mask. It's a persona that you put on for the world, but that does not mean that when you get home, you have that same persona because abuse breaks you down mentally.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So we ask, you know, why do women stay in these relationships? Uh, you know, I don't understand why women would stay. And I always think about it as a, uh, uh, like a uh, metronomes, uh, the tick tock. Mm-hmm. If you set five metronomes, up at different paces, after a while they become in sync. So I have learned that the vibrational resonance, a stronger influence, it's called entrainment. So the dominant personality, you become in sync with that personality because the whole reason for entrainment is to, uh, it preserves energy, it creates harmony. Whether that's good harmony or bad harmony, Entrainment keeps everything balanced. So, when you have a dominant personality in the household, you know, we can we see entrainment in um, domestic violence. When you see a dominant personality, you don't want to go against the flow. You don't want to go against that TikTok. You become entrained to it. And so, if you already have problems with your esteem and, and you have a dominant personality, it's very easy for you to just do what is said. Mm -hmm. Um, In dating, when a man says, "Mm, I don't like that dress, go put something else on. And you think, I'll just, you know, I want to please him. I want to make him happy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll go change my dress. Hey, don't put on so much makeup. It makes you look like a whore. It makes you look like a clown. You know, at first it may seem, oh, he's just, okay. Oh, he's joking around. Mm -hmm. All right, let me go take off my lipstick. After a while, that does not become, he, he's not He's not just asking you playing. These are becoming demands. And soon you will find your whole personality has changed. You no longer wear the perfume you liked, the clothes you liked. It seems like it's unbalanced because everything that he wants you to change, you do it to make him happy because that's what you do. The, the relationships are about compromise, but you'll begin to find it's no longer compromise. You'll find that you have lost something in that. You're you're no longer allowed to call home. I was no longer allowed to call, I say allowed, and that's sad. It's true. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he said, don't call your parents anymore. He just said, you're always calling them instead of taking care of your man at home. You're always on the phone with your family. Uh, the Bible says two shall become one. He always wanted to quote scripture about how I needed to, you need to be at home instead of calling them so much. So then I wasn't calling my family so much. So, what happened? And I'm going to try to wrap this up. There's so much in this, you all, in training. I can tell. I can tell. It's it's so much involved. Um, That's why I say, please don't judge women who are in these situations because Mm -hmm. sometimes they're there for fear. Mm -hmm. Um, They're there because uh, sometimes of the children. Sometimes they don't have the money and nowhere to go. He did not, my uh, ex husband did not want me to work. And he always put it nicely. You don't, no wife of mine should ever have to work. I I make plenty of money. Stay home, enjoy. You know, be with the kids. Boy, that sounded tempting. But I would always say, he who holds the money holds the power. And in in our situation, his money was the power because whenever he bought something for me, um, did something for me, he it was always a gift that he would take away. Always. So the house we lived in, get out of my house. Uh, he, uh, he bought me new cars. I was in this uh, relationship where he was very nice to me and then he was very mean. So he would lavish me with gifts all the time. Hey, I bought you a new car. I had a, I had a Jag and I love that Jag. And man, real yeah, that's for my woman. That's what I do for my woman. But when we get upset, give me my car, give me my clothes. When you get out the house, All those clothes you got on, go ahead and take those off. You can go out there naked for all I care. I bought those. Hmm. So I always learned his gifts came with a price. Um, I ended up leaving the police academy. One day during the academy, uh, when our argument came to a, 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 a boiling point, it was time for our graduation run. This was a very important run. If you didn't complete it, you didn't make the academy. The night before, He broke into the room where I was. I I slept in another room because we argued the the night before and I knew it was going to lead to abuse. So I went ahead and slept in an upstairs room. He broke in in the middle of the night. We got into it. He ended up kicking me out of the house, but instead of just kicking me out this time, he chased me and he got over me and ripped my neck open with his fingernails and he clawed it till my skin laid open. And he thought the purpose of doing that was that I could not, we we also had to be pepper sprayed, um, and we had to run and he thought this would hinder me, but I went and it was the first time I ever told anyone I was being abused. I told them and they saw the skin laying open. Um, but I completed it anyway. I, I, I said, no, I don't want special treatment. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, I'm going to cover this for the burn. I don't want it to burn, but I, uh, it was very important because he said I couldn't do something. It was important for me to do it. He hounded me after this, even though I completed it. I should have left him then. But the after that day, I told him I was leaving. And that's when he broke out with God. Oh, I found the Lord. I found God. I have done you wrong. I'm sorry. God spoke to me and said, I've done wrong by you. And I want to come back and I'm going to treat you right. Uh, Leave the police department, please. I'm going to get a job in Houston. This was even further away from my hometown. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Houston. I'm from Houston. The jobs are better there. We should make a new start. My kids were graduating by then, and I did go. Because at that time, uh, I did leave the department. I had no money, nowhere to go. No one knew I was being abused. I was ashamed to tell anyone. I moved with him to Houston. It was there that I found out he had cheated. <clears throat> Once I found out he had cheated and I, I found it and confronted him, it was about two weeks later that he tried to kill me. Hmm. So I, I uh, woke up that morning. I was actually working, about to work on my book. It was a, a couple of days from my birthday. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited. He told me, I'm gonna take you out for your birthday. After I watched the Dallas Cowboy game, we're going out for your birthday. <laughs> So I was pretty excited. I'm used. I was used by now to his ups and downs. So I figured this was his good day. So I'm, I'm gonna. He's gonna be nice to me today. Mm-hmm. While I'm while, while he's watching the game, I'm working on my book. He sees me working on my book, trying to do stuff on the computer, um, trying to do some marketing material. I couldn't get it. I turned. I turned my back and looked at him. He was on the couch behind me to ask him, "Hey, during a commercial, do you think you could help me?" Mm-hmm. Before. Before I even said anything, he had this look in his eyes. He was already staring at me. The game was going. He wasn't into the game. He was already staring at the back of my head with this most evil look I'd ever seen. Like His eyes had turned black, and he was looking through me. So finally, he spoke and said, yeah, I'll help you during the commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to work. Ah, I, I messed something up. I screamed out, oh, no, I messed up. And before I knew it, he flew over to me through all of my stuff on the ground. Like he just went into this rage out of the blue. It really was his Jekyll and Hyde moment out of the blue. He just started throwing things and yelling and, and you're so stupid. I told you, leave that alone. I told you I would help you, but you're so stupid. He just started going off. So I, I, uh, my book, I wrote it in pencil and I was going to go back and type it. I was so afraid he was going to rip up my pages Mm -hmm. that he actually hit me onto the ground, and all my pages went flying. So I laid on top of them and started gathering them together, like lay, and like whimpering, like he hurt me because mm-hmm. I knew he would go after what he thought hurt me the most. If he thought the paper was important, that's what he would do. Right. Um, I hid those papers, threw them in the closet. When I came back out, he body slammed me to the ground, and he got on top of me and put me in a, a headlock. And when he did he began to twist my neck. He twisted my neck slowly at first, so hard and so um, all the way back to I could see completely behind my back mm. and I could feel the bones in my neck cracking and uh, it just felt like my skin was ripping. I knew he was about to pull my head off. That's the way it felt. So he couldn't. he couldn't do it that way. He loosened his grip so that he could actually crack fast. Like he grabbed my head and my, uh, my chin. And when he did in that moment, something told me, tuck your chin. You know, it it was before then I I thought I was going to die. And I, uh, I think I'd settled in my soul because I got a sadness. This all happened within seconds, Mm -hmm. but I got a complete sadness. And for that moment, I just lowered my eyes and I said, this is how I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. Um, my kids are in college, my parents, they don't even know my address. I mm-hmm. said, and this is how they're gonna find my body if they ever find my body. And I accepted my death. You know, like, well, here it is, this, this is it. But when he loosened the grip to crack my neck again, something told me, no, you you will not die. Tuck your chin into your chest mm-hmm. and get into the fetal position. So when he did that, that's what I did. I tucked my chin, laid on the floor and laid over and he lost his grip. When Mm -hmm. he did, he ran into a back room. Um, I could hear him going through uh, his gun. He had a gun cabinet. I could hear him going for the gun. I immediately jumped up off the floor. I had a habit of hiding things. Whenever we would argue, as I said, he would kick me out of the house take my phone, take my purse and, and, and tell me to take off my clothes and get out. Well, I was used to hiding things. So I hid my uh, extra set of keys and uh, I had what I call a go bag uh, where the go bag had uh, keys, phone numbers that were written down, uh, different things. I grabbed that and I ran out the uh, out of the apartment. And that was the last time um, hmm. I, I ended up moving. uh Back to the Dallas area mm-hmm. that I called the police. Uh, they arrested him. I went to my job the next morning, actually broke down, and a supervisor called the police for me. OK. At this time, I no longer hid it. Mm-hmm. I no longer said it didn't happen. I no longer wore the clown mask. This time, I said, yes, I'm being abused. And, and he tried to kill me. Hmm. So thank God. Fast forward, I got to move and uh, we got a divorce, thank God. People going through abuse, it will be very hard. You would think that's, it's over. But living from that trauma, uh, the traumatic influence, the cowering down, the always taking the lowly point, when people are talking, learning how to be quiet, Mm -hmm. that becomes a part of you. Right. So being here, I learned to get my power. And that's when the story changes. Because once it, it took a long time, I uh, I got here for a couple of years. I contemplated suicide and I was in severe depression. Two years ago, I decided I was going to kill myself um, because I, I, I was here. I didn't have much money. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I thought, you know, I am worthless. Why have men never liked me? Why men? Why did men always abuse me? Why was I never chosen? Why, why, why? I just felt horrible about myself. Mm-hmm. And I decided to kill myself before I decided to kill myself. I went out on my balcony and made a video and it was to domestic violence, Facebook groups. Okay. And I basically was telling them about things I'd been through and, you know, how my struggle and I, I plan on coming back in to kill myself right after that. Even on the video, I sound a little dot, uh, downtrodden, but still kind of upbeat that, Hey ladies, if you're in it, get out. And that was mm-hmm. going to be my final message to the world. When I came in, the miraculous thing that happened was I started getting feedback from people all over the world um, who saw the video. Uh, I thought just people in the the domestic violence group saw it, but everybody saw it. And they began to reach out to me and thank God that they did because it took my mind. I was so busy responding back to everybody's text messages. I forgot to kill myself. Hmm. And from that moment forward, this is what I want to tell you. When you realize um, one of those messages that came through was to be positive, I decided, and I don't know why, because I'd asked God many times to help me before and I felt like he didn't, but I decided to give it one last chance. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to be positive for one day. One day, God, I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm just going to be positive for one day. And, and okay, here we go. So I went to work. I woke up. God, I thank you because I can walk. I said something like, thank you that I could walk to the restroom and brush my teeth. I was, you know, I was just kind of sarcastic at first. But then I began, no, I've done it the same way for over 40 something years. Let me do something different and let me put my all into it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage women, when you learn who you are, learn your self-worth and learn your power, you begin to attract everything back that you lost. Don't think it's a lost cause that that you've been through this or feel like you you won't be forgiven for the things you've done. It's simply not true. And that is the disguise that Satan wants you to wear. He wants you to feel that way. He wants you to lose power. The moment I learned my power, you all almost instantly, everything came back to me. Mm -hmm. I wrote a journal. And in that journal, I wrote down everything I've always wanted to be in life. I wanted to be an actress, I want to be on the radio, I want to speak to people, I wrote mm-hmm. it down. I wrote mm-hmm. down a long list of things I've always wanted. And do you know, every single thing I wrote down, I got yeah. everything. I've never been an actress before. I've never had acting um, acting classes, nothing. I always just wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, never have done any of the things I've done. And now this year alone, I had eight movies last year, about eight movies that I have been in or projects. Never have I ever had an acting class, Mm -hmm. but it's by the grace of God. And it's not because I'm this dynamic actress. It's by the grace of God and realizing that I can be whatever I want to be. This world um, is made for everyone to be exactly what you want to be. That's the way it was designed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that God let you down. It's when you leave that presence and when when Satan separates you from from your worth and and, and blinds you to the fact of who you are, you'll never realize it. You must realize your worth. And I'm so happy. Yes, I've written two books. I ended up getting another master's degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, all these things, all these things I've done, it's it's not because I'm this person, but it's because of who I am inside and, and what God always knew me to be, even when I didn't know what I was to be. Amen. Amen. Yes,
2: I love that message that, I mean, this has all been worth it because the Lord has, it seems like the Lord has worked that scripture that says the Lord is working our lives into something. You have allowed the Lord to take your life, When it seemed like it was going to go a completely different way, you have allowed Him to work your life into something and you are bringing Him glory. And you do not hold back anything. Like I have been quiet and just, you know, just let you share because you open up kind of the depths of your heart for people in a beautiful way. And I can see that the Lord has brought. This spirit of beautiful, genuine joy um, out out of your heart, and I love that. So I can just imagine your books on Earth as it is in Hell, and the sounds of silence are the loudest. I, I when I when I looked into your story, I said those books they sound fiction, but are they fiction?
3: Right, right. You know exactly. <laughs> those who read it say well, it's so relatable. That yes. yes, you you uh they're not about my life, but when you read it, you'll think same thing. Is this about hmm. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people have been through tragic things? Our our nightmares are someone's reality. So you'll read those yes. in these two yes. books. Yeah. Yes.
2: So I also want to uh mention as well your uh your podcast, What's on Cortina Jackson's Mind, an inspiring and empowering podcast series about life. Um, I want everybody to check those out and your your podcast out. They are very, very, very impressive. I thank you so much for you you. just coming and sharing your testimony. It has been a blessing and your life is a blessing. And and I know both of us, we want people to know that um, you are worth it that the Lord loves you, that the Lord has all of these plans and and purposes for your life. They're huge. And we want everybody to go after the things that God has called them to do. So everyone, um, our program, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Go to loveministriesbills.org for all the great information about Love Ministries. Everyone have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here next week.